you're actually Abimelech's child. He's teasing, he's mocking him. Now, which would mean Isaac would lose his birthright. He's illegitimate. And Ishmael would obtain it. So he loses the very thing he's trying to, to get. So in scripture, that's what would happen when we get to the law. If you try, if I try to uh, steal Keegan's farm by, by saying, oh, I saw Keegan do something bad, we should stone him to death. And it's discovered that it's wrong, I will be stoned to death and my land will be taken away from me. So whatever I wanted to happen to the other person will happen to me. And it's this account then that he's, he's kicked out, which tells me that that's probably what's going on. Um, and so the scriptures are very clear. Abimelech did not touch her. This is Abraham's child. The other thing, now we're reading between the lines, but I think it makes the most sense, is how old is Sarah at this time? 90. Uh, let's say you're an oriental king, you're a king in the ancient Near East. They're pretty powerful and wealthy guys. Is a 90-year-old woman like... <laughs> Bring me that 90-year-old woman. Uh, it's highly unlikely when he could have anyone. Um, so what's going on here? So my Old Testament lecture, and I think there's something to this, is that God supernaturally um, rejuvenated Sarah physically so that she could now have children. And so she looked much, she was younger. Uh, and when, when, um, uh, when Paul talks about the resurrection, he also talks about Abraham and Sarah. And so it's a symbol of the resurrection. Okay? So uh, you don't have to hold to it, you can disagree with me, it's fine. But I think it makes the most sense of everything that's going on, is that God rejuvenates their bodies so they actually look younger, and they're strengthened, and that's why, like Abimelech's like, who is that? Bring me, bring her here. Okay. Of course, he could have had pretty much any woman in in the in the empire, but he chooses her, and so I think it makes the most sense of it. And so it's a real miracle because they were too old to have children. God had to work supernaturally, and it's a picture of salvation. Okay? Just as Christ's birth is supernatural, the new birth is supernatural. Only God can do it. Uh, human beings can't do it. It must be an act of, of God. Okay, so um, that's the birth of Isaac. Uh, we're going to jump through to chapter 22, the sacrifice of Isaac. So this is remarkable, where we see Abraham's faith that um, the Lord says to him, take your son, your only son, whom you love. It's sort of reiterated. Your only son, whom you love. Take him. I want you to sacrifice him. Now, this passage is never mentioned in the New Testament with respect to Christ, but every Christian, when you read this, you know this is pointing to Calvary. This is pointing to a father uh, sacrificing his son. And that's what happened at, at Calvary. Uh, Calvary but, was still in Mount Moriah as well? No, no. That's what you said was, no? no, it was the temple. So remember, it's Mount Moriah is is Aruna's threshing floor where the temple was built. Calvary is outside Jerusalem. Yeah. But, um, so, um, you know the story, 
that his hand is stayed and they sacrifice a ram instead. God provides a ram, but it's a display of his faith. And we're told in Hebrews that Abraham believed that even if he killed his son and, and burned that sacrifice, that from the ashes God would raise him up again. Because he had said, in Isaac, it's in Isaac, the promise was in Isaac, he, he realized that for God, God had to fulfill his promise in Isaac. So no matter what he did, uh, Isaac would be restored, even raised from the, from the dead. Now, let me just say that um, people have wrestled with this. How can God ask someone to kill his son? What's going on here? That's barbaric. That's inhumane. That's sinful because, you know, we, uh, human sacrifice was sinful. What the scriptures teach, and, we, and this is more when we get to Exodus, but it's clear already from earlier on in Genesis that God had revealed a lot of things about sacrifices to, to his people. When we come to Exodus, we're told that the firstborn child, son, had to be redeemed. So if an Israelite family had a son, that son, they had to pay money to, to, the, to the priests to redeem that son. And they had to do the same for, an, for animals as well. And if they did not redeem the son, the son, the, sorry, the animal, they would put the animal to death. So either you break its neck or you redeem it. You say, and you'd have to give money. And what it teaches us is that because of our sin, we forfeit the firstborn. Firstborn belongs to God because of our sin. And so if you understand it that way, it's not that God is just arbitrarily saying, sacrifice your son. There is an idea of, the firstborn belongs to me. Because of your sin, the firstborn belongs to me. Now, when you then look at Calvary, of course, God has never sinned, and yet his son lays down his, his life. Let me also just say, because some people have said the cross is cosmic child abuse. The Lord Jesus is not abused. He, he, he lays down his life. Okay? Uh, he, he laid down his life. It was not that the Father sort of took him and abused him. He willingly gave his life so that we might be saved. Okay, um, okay then Sarah, Sarah dies, and it is at this point that Abraham actually finally gets a little piece of the land of Canaan. He buys the cave at Machpelah. And that's the only piece of land he gets. God said, I will give you the land of Canaan. And all he gets is just a little little field. Okay? But we're told in Hebrews that he was not looking for that as ultimate. So um, the, this, this obsession with the land of, of Palestine or Israel is not... Moses, uh, Abraham never had that. Verse 8 of chapter 11, Hebrews 11. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land. Living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with them of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. That's the new heaven and new earth that you read about in Revelation. It's saying Abraham's focus was not that piece of land. He looked beyond that to 
a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker was God. He looked eschatologically. Remember, he spoke about that. He looked eternally. The same way that we should look. Okay, then Isaac and Rebekah. Um, the, the account of Rebekah coming and um, uh, Abraham sends his servant to find Isaac a wife. And um, uh, he goes, remember, and he goes to the well. Wells are... are um, singles bar of the day okay <laughs> that's where everyone found a wife uh, 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 Isaac finds Rebecca there Jacob meets Rachel there uh, and you go through um, Moses meets Zipporah at a well who else meets a woman at a well Jesus uh, John John for him very interesting because all these women that we're told about are beautiful and virgins. Yet when we come to to the woman at the well in John four, it's it's a it's a mess, isn't it? Uh, she's first of all she's not even Jewish. She's a Samaritan. She's been married five times, which you know she could have. You know, maybe it was five bad guys, but probably the problems with her. <laughs> I'm leaning that way. Uh, and then now she's just living with a guy. So, and yet, the Lord comes for her and saves her. Uh, again, what we're seeing is God goes after those with shame and brokenness. Uh, and so it's really beautiful. Uh, so, uh, I want to introduce you, though, to someone who's going to be very important. Verse 29 of chapter 24. Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban. Laban ran out toward the man. This is the servant. So the servant has come to the well. He's met Rebecca. The Lord's shown him this is the one. She's proven herself. She, she feeds his animals. She's hardworking. Proverbs 31. Not afraid of physical work. She's beautiful, she's godly, she's, and he's like so excited, and then she's, she's, her brother comes along, Laban, verse 30, as soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms and heard the words of Rebecca, now, this is the first introduction to Laban, what does Laban notice, what is he concerned about, no, he's con- he, he notices jewelry, gold, Laban is going to be a big character, okay? But I want you to see the character, the type of man that he is. Because um, Isaac and Rebecca have have a um, uh, children, Jacob and Esau. It's in chapter twenty-five. Uh, Rebecca finds that they are these twins are fighting inside her. And she wants to know what's going on. She asks the Lord, and the Lord says to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. Remember I said to you, Genesis 3, whenever separation takes place, it's God's salvific work. He is creating something. God creates by separating. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. 
That's a principle throughout the scriptures. The older serves the younger, and it's a picture of our salvation. Remember, Paul talks about the old man, the old nature. Uh, you, you and I are born sinful. That's your first nature. It's the older one. Once you're saved, though, you have a new nature, which is younger. But in Christ, the older nature will serve the younger nature. Sin shall not have dominion over us. Um, so all the way through, you find this reversal that it's the, the the older one is rejected, the younger one is. It's against the normal uh, mode. Okay, so uh, here is a prophecy. Right when she's pregnant, the Lord says, "The younger one will be greater." Okay. The parents should have listened to that. They should have said, "Okay, but the older one is the one that God has chosen." Uh, sorry, the younger one is the one that God has chosen, Jacob. And they come out and, and um, um, uh, Jacob and Esau. And then Esau sells his birthright. Uh, Esau is, is a man's man. He's, he's a hunter. Uh, he also seems to be a good chef. He, he seems like just his dad loves him. He's a great guy. Whereas... Um, we're told that that um, uh, Jacob is a tent dweller. He prefers to stay at home. We'd say he's a mommy's boy. He's much closer to his mom. Um, somebody has said, you know, that one is like Thor and the other is like Loki. Because okay? uh, Jacob is deceitful. Um, so naturally, you know, it just naturally, you know, we tend towards Jacob's a better, uh, Esau's a better kind of guy. But the scriptures are very clear. Romans 9 is, Jacob I love, but Esau I hated. Before they had done anything good or evil. So uh, God had chosen Jacob and not Esau. And it was prophesied and they didn't listen. But he sells his birthright for some porridge, which shows us he's a fleshly man. But we also see his father has become fleshly because later on he says, go make me some of that food that I love. Now, it's not wrong to love food, but... Remember, the stories are just giving us little pointers. They're, they're, there's little hints of sensuality. The focus is more on the physical. Okay, um, okay so... Um, uh, then at the end, they come to the blessing. Isaac blesses Jacob. Remember that Jacob is sneaky, also with the help of his mom. And um, they pretend to be pretends to be Esau, and he is blessed, because at this point Isaac is believes he's dying. He can't see. He says, "I'm about to die." Um, and uh, he says, "Like I need to get ready. I need to bless my son." And he wants to bless Esau, and then it's Jacob that he ends up blessing, and he realizes he can't take it back. He realizes now. What God had said is right. Jacob is the one who will be, be blessed. Now, Jacob didn't get it in the right way. He didn't trust God. But God uses all of these things to bring about... He uses our sin even to bring about his, his will. And he says... He gives us blessing to Jacob. Now, I want you to see something. that Isaac's about to die here. Twenty years later, when Jacob returns, Isaac is still alive. So again, it seems that God is judging Isaac because he still refuses to honor Jacob. 
But when he does change, he lives for another 20 years. He recovers and carries on living. Once he realizes, and he says to Esau, I can't change it. And um, Esau begs, please, can't you give me something? And it's not a very nice blessing. It's like, you'll serve your brother. <laughs> uh, he has the blessing for you. Um, but, um, uh, so Jacob is blessed. But, you know, this is all, the, you know, this is their, their history. It's a mess, isn't it? And there's all this fighting. Now, Jacob flees for his life because... Uh, the other thing that we find about um, Esau is that he marries Hittite women. They were told, don't marry pagan nations, get from your own family. And he intentionally marries Hittite women, plural, and, and causes great pain, we're told, to his mom and dad. Okay. So that's the type of man that he, he was as well. Jacob runs away and he goes to Laban. Okay. And this is quite something, because Jacob... His name sounds very similar to usurper, a con man. He's a bit of a con man, isn't he? You see that already. Like, his brother's hungry, he's making food. I mean, he should just give his brother some food. That's, but he says, well, give me your birthright. Uh, and then he, he, he connives with his mom to get the blessing. He's a usurper, he's a con man. But he's God, he belongs to God. God loves him. God has chosen him. And what God does is send him to Laban. Who was Rachel's brother. Rebecca's brother. Rebecca's brother. Who has a PhD in conning people. <laughs> and what you'll find in your life is that as a child of God, God will often put you into contact with people who have the same sin as you. Um, you can think it through, think it through more. And it will really frustrate you, but it's also your sin, and it's there to show you your your own sin. Okay? And that's often why we get upset with those people because they, they show us our own sin. Uh, but that's what the Lord does. The Lord says, "Okay, you need to learn a lesson, Jacob. I'm going to send you to Laban." He goes to Laban, and Laban. It's a it's a, it's incredible the story. Remember, he sees Rachel, and he's just. He starts crying like it's so like I'm in love I'm, I'm so much in love like he's just seen her there's no way he's in love it's like I'll work seven years for her he says he says to he says to Laban I'll work seven years for her Laban does not say yes that's fine go and read it he simply says it is better if 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 she goes with you he doesn't say yes he just simply says uh, it is better, but he doesn't say yes. But what is you know once because because Jacob is so full of lust, he hears what he wants to hear. Yeah, we all know that as well with our own sin. We hear what we want to hear. But Laban is a has that PhD. He knows how to play this game. He says, well, it is better if we give it to you. But he's not said yes. Work for seven years and I will give it to you. He never said that. He works for seven years, and then in the Hebrew. It's very strong. He goes to Laban and he, he literally says, I've worked for seven years. Give me Rachel that I might have sex with her. <laughs> it's not, give it to me because I love her and you know we want to start our life together and we have this. He says, I want to have her because he's full of lust. 
and then you know the story, he gets Leah. Okay? And the script is very clear that Rachel is far more beautiful than, than Leah. And uh, the scripture says, in the morning it was Leah. And uh, someone has, one commentator said, that's the way of all sin. In the morning it's Leah. Okay. All sin it does not satisfy. Just in that scripture says Leah had bad or was had bad eyes. Is that what you're referring to as mm. she was ugly? I think there's some something on that It is because the contrast is says Rachel was beautiful but Leah had bad eyes. Okay. And that means that she was ugly. Well the con well that she was less beautiful than, than Rachel. That she, there was something um, it seems to be more maybe an idiom or but it's it's from the context. Um, I'm actually talking about her eyes. No, it might be. It might be that there was some, some problem with her eyes or you know, squint or something like that. It might be. But, it, but it, the, the context is Rachel's beautiful, but Leah is not. That's, that's the, the contrast. He then works for another seven years. Uh, he gets Rachel. He works for another six years to get his own um, uh, animals, his own livestock. Um, but we're told that it takes that in 20, that's 20 years of working for Laban. And you, you can go and read it. Laban tries all sorts of things to crook, crook him. And, and Jacob says, 20 years, he's changed my wages 10 times. What that means is he keeps changing the agreement. He promises this and he changes it, changes it. Um, at, the end, at the end of Jacob's life, later on in Genesis, when he goes, goes down, he says, you know, few and sad have been the years of my life. He didn't have a happy life. He had lots of problems with the two, two wives, Rachel and Leah, and then the concubines or their servants. It's, but he has to learn his lesson. Uh, and he, he eventually leaves Laban and he goes back and he meets with the Lord He wrestles with the Lord, yeah. Um, I'm trying to find it now. Okay, so he wrestles with the Lord, chapter 32. And um, it, I believe this is a Christophany, that it is the Lord, because he also says, I need to go now, the sun is rising. So again, often when, when God is not clearly seen, Sort of that idea that you know no man can see God and live. Um, God himself wasn't an angel. Yeah, I believe it's it's the Lord, not not an angel. And um, and he carries on wrestling, so eventually the Lord just sort of touches him on his <laughs> on his hip. He can't wrestle anymore, but he he refuses to let go, and he's holding on. So that you need to see the picture. He's just clinging on. And the Lord says to him, what's your name? Now, of course, the Lord knows his name. And he says it's Jacob. But remember what Jacob sounds like. It's as though Jacob is acknowledging his sin, his character. And, and so it's in that moment the Lord changes his name. And so there's a principle here. If you want, and his name is changed to Israel, which means the one who prevails with God. The one who is victorious with God. So if you want to know how to prevail with God... It's in weakness, 
because he's in he's absolutely broken he's in weakness he's just clinging on and it's in acknowledging your sin those people those who are humble themselves acknowledge their sin and come with a contrite broken heart prevail with god okay and he's given the name israel one who prevails with god and it's at this point he that he really learns his lesson before this even when earlier on he had a dream and all of these things, he still says to God, he says, God, if you keep me and bring me back here safely, I'll give you money. I'll pay tithes. He's, he's still a deal maker. He's still a con man. He's still... But life, life has broken him. God has used other people. God has confronted him to the place where he, he now prevails with God. It's no longer he's trying to make deals with God and things like that. Okay, uh, so it's very beautiful. Um, okay, we come now to Joseph. Very important in the, as we as we finish off. Um, Joseph is is as I said, a huge amount of the, the story is given to Joseph. Nearly a third of Genesis is to do with Joseph. Joseph is a type of Christ. He is. A righteous man. I know some. I've heard some pastors try and play him off as a tattletale and things like that. I don't see that at all. I see that he is an honourable man. His father shows favouritism, which is wrong. But Joseph is an honourable man. He he works hard. He does what his father tells him to do. He goes the extra mile looking for his brothers. His brothers don't like him because of his father's favouritism and the dreams that he has. Yes. Can I ask? Did it? Did he not have a bit of an ego? Did he not have a bit of an ego? Yeah. Like a, yeah, a little bit yeah. of a so, the, so the question is, did he have an ego? I, so he has these dreams, God gives them, and he simply declares them. Mm-hmm. That, that his brothers will bow down to him, and his parents will bow down to him. He's not, he's not coming and saying, oh, I'm greater than you, you'll bow down to me. He just simply comes and says, this is the dream I had. So I don't, all the way through Joseph's life, I you don't get the idea that he's not portrayed in a negative sense. Um, we, we don't get a hint of that. We can push that in there, but in, in the text it's not there. The brothers don't like it, obviously, because they're like, "Why we're older than you, why are we going to bow down to you? Um, so they, they don't say, oh, maybe this is from God. But they, when they see him, they uh, they take him and they sell him into slavery. And I want to see, I want to show you quickly in our last few minutes how Joseph is like Jesus. Joseph doesn't appear anywhere else in the Bible. So he's sold into slavery by Judah. Who betrays Jesus? Jesus. Judas. He sold for 20 pieces of silver. 20? 20 pieces of silver. Someone said with inflation, 20. <laughs> um, so he sold him to the Midianite traders who then sell him into Egypt. And uh, there he's honorable. Potiphar is a wealthy man who promotes him to run his whole home. And Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him over and over and over again and he refuses. Eventually, she falsely accuses him. He's falsely accused. 
course, you know, Jesus is falsely accused. Okay? Uh, he's then thrown into jail, and he's there with two others. Jesus is crucified with two others. What happens to the two? Remember, it's a baker and, uh, and the cupbearer. Cupbearer is restored, the baker has his head cut off. What happens to the two with Jesus? One believes and is saved, and one does not believe and is damned. Uh, when, they, when the, when the cupbearer does remember when Pharaoh has a dream, he says, Ah, oh, man, I forgot. It's, it's several years later. We're told that. I think it's two, two or three years later. It's like, Ah, oh, I forgot. Because Joseph said, Please remember me. They forgot him. Then he says, There's this guy. He comes and interprets Pharaoh's dreams. In one day, Joseph is taken from the pit of jail to be second in command over, at the time, the greatest empire in the world at the time. In one day, he is exalted from pit of jail to second in command. Remember what Paul says in Philippians? He has exalted him given him a name that's above every other name. At the resurrection, he's taken from the grave and exalted. And given a name above every other name. What Joseph goes through, because remember there's a huge famine that comes, and he, he starts storing wheat. Through what he does, lives are saved from all nations. Remember, they all start coming to Egypt for, for food. And of course, through what Christ does, people from all nations are eternally saved. So it's a glorious account, uh, the life of Joseph, and how it points us to, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, his brothers return later on, and they do bow down. He wants to get Benjamin back. So remember, he tells these stories, he, he hides goblets and all these things because he wants them to to see if they've repented Benjamin is the is the new favorite child and he tests Judah and remember that Judah says no I will stay so Judah has learned repentance Judah is willing to take the place of Benjamin Judah is willing to to repent yes does, yeah. yeah. And then, then they all come, and he reveals himself, and uh, they they're able to move in there, and they they're able to to uh, to live there. At the end, just quickly, at the end of Genesis 50, when um, Jacob dies, the brothers think, "Oh, you're going to kill us now. Uh, Joseph's going to going to take his revenge on us now. Now that Dad's not in the picture." And he says this, verse 20, very important verse. You meant it for evil, what they did to him. But God meant it for good, so that many people could be saved. So it's important to understand uh, the so-called problem of evil. God, people think, oh, well, why is there evil? If God is good and powerful, why is there evil? God uses evil for good. That's what's going on. 
Uh, only he can do that. You and I are not allowed to do that. But, but he is God and he's doing that. So God is using the evil in your life, injustice, whatever, for good if you are his child. So, yeah, here we go. So anyway, Genesis ends with the story left hanging. We find the people of Israel in Egypt. So, oh, yes, next. I'm not sure if you're going to tell me how do Israelites stay? Enda? Okay, yeah, we'll, that's, Exodus tells us, yeah. Joseph is Rachel's, uh, the son of Rachel and Jacob. Jacob. Yeah. His favorite wife, Rachel. question is, is the main point of Joseph to preserve Judah, because Judah is the one who, from whom Christ will come. Uh, I think that the story is recorded for many, many reasons, but, but definitely God's main purpose overall is to keep his, the line of Abraham to bring the Messiah. It's also a way to get all of Israel in Egypt. Yes. So they all end up there. Okay, should I pray for us? Now let me pose us in prayer. Oh Father, thank you so much for our time together in your word. We thank you for the richness of the scriptures. Please give us more love for your word, more love for you, more understanding. Uh, keep everyone safe, especially those who are traveling now. We ask these things in your wonderful name. Amen. From the break.